Hey coaches, and welcome to the Oregon Basketball Coaches Podcast. For all the up-to-date information on the Oregon Basketball Coaches Association, you can visit our website at www.or.nhsbca.org. Welcome to the Oregon Basketball Coaches Podcast. I'm Derek Duman, OBCA Secretary and Boys Basketball Coach at West Albany High School. Today, I'm joined by Mike Meek, women's basketball coach at the University of Portland. Coach, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. Yeah, I appreciate you having me on today and, uh, you know, looking forward to doing the best I can to, to share some things and, you know, hopefully hopefully we can find a, a thing or two that connects with people out there and, and hopefully be helpful in some way. Absolutely. Yeah, and thank you. I know, you know, as a College coach, you don't have a lot of free time, so I appreciate uh, you taking the time to be with us today. For those that might not be uh, familiar with you or maybe your backstory, can you tell us a little bit about your your basketball journey, uh, how you got into coaching, and, and how you ended up at the University of Portland? Yeah, you know, I I won't probably be too long with this, but I, uh, you know, I I really coaching has been kind of a passion of mine since I was. You know, even I can even think back all the way to the eighth grade. I mean, it was just something that I was really uh, driven to want to be someday. Uh, you know, probably at that point it was a little bit more of a, you know, of a dream than necessarily knowing exactly what I'd want to do. Uh, but I, I loved the game early on. Um, you know, I, I was definitely like a gym rat growing up, so I spent a lot of time in the gym just trying to improve on things. And, um, you know, fortunately had a – you know, uh, was able to play at the, the collegiate level and, um, you know, really loved and enjoyed my experience, um, with that. And then really right after that, I was asked to be the freshman, uh, girls coach at LeGrand High School and, uh, you know, did that for a year. And then the next year, the JV coach left. The next year, the varsity coach left. So I kind of moved through the ranks pretty quickly there and, um, loved, loved just the experience from the start. I mean, the, the girls there were just so engaging and so invested in each other. And I really felt like they were great about being coachable. And, um, so I spent three years as the varsity coach there and then moved to Southridge High School for 10, um, in, in Beaverton, Oregon. And uh, again, loved it there. I mean, just really, really loved my experience and, and had a, had some really fantastic uh, not only players, but also just great kids to work with. And, um, you know, just kind of out of the blue when, when actually, you know, the, uh, Scott Rudick left, uh, George Fox, I, I just got kind of a random call from the university. And at the time I wasn't like, I was happy where I was at and, um, you know, wasn't really even excited about, uh, even considering it. Um, but kind of went along with it. And when I got there, loved it, loved the people, um, you know, really thankful for that opportunity. Had nine just fantastic years there with, again, great women and just great people to work with. It was, you know, and uh, same same thing, really similar with the University of Portland. And, uh, you know, we, my wife and I have lived in the same house for 20 years now, and we, we've been able to kind of move to different jobs um, without having to move our home at all or make our kids go from one school to the next. So I've been really thankful and blessed by that and can can honestly say I could have been content and happy to stay at any one of those places. I mean, love love coaching high school, and and it's been really uh, an awesome time coaching at the college level as well. No, that's great. Um, you know, can you share some of the things? I know you mentioned, um, you know, George Fox, you know, kind of called you out of the blue. Uh, but for for coaches maybe that are are interested in, in moving up, they want they're a high school coach. They're interested in coaching at the college level. Uh, can you describe uh, maybe some things that they should do, or or that process in general that would help propel them to that next level? Yeah, you know, I think that I think it's that's you know it's kind of tricky. I think because everybody has just their own unique path on how they get to where they they are, right? And um, and sometimes you can't really predict that and um, you don't know necessarily how that's going to happen. And, um, you know, obviously I think my path was pretty unique. I mean, there's just not very many, um, you know, I, I think to, to have a school like George Fox and a, in a, in an athletic director and Craig Taylor and Robin Baker who were willing to 
take a chance on a high school coach because I, I think it's really tough at times to cross over. Um, and in, in same thing with Scott Lakeham. I mean, he's been phenomenal to work with and obviously had a great, you know, but an, another person that, uh, you know, I think saw something in what we were doing at George Fox and, and, you know, was able to take a chance there. So, you know, I, I, I think, you know, I think a lot of it is just uh, being in the right place at the right time. Um, you know, I, I, if I was to, you know, I, I again, early on, it, being a college coach was something I really wanted to do. And as I kind of spent time at Southridge and, you know, I was got to a point where I was really content being a high school coach. Um, and so, Again, my path, I think, is so unique in, in that regard. I think if, if college is what you really want to do, I would say try to get involved earlier on, you know, um, try to be a grad assistant somewhere, try to be an assistant coach, try to really get in because, it, you know, it just it's just hard. Like it's hard to to go from, uh, you know, high school to, to college in, in that regard. So, but I also say like, um, you know, love what you're doing and, and just be the best at, you know, make the big time where you're at, I think is, uh, you know, a saying that I think Frosty Westering said at PLU for football there is like, um, and, and that's kind of been my thing is like, I haven't really looked to go on. Like I just, I loved, you know, what I was doing. And um, I think so a lot of people try so hard to move on and just forget about kind of like players sometimes just forget about, it's more about like the people you're working with and the relationships you're building and, uh, and also learning how to just grow in the game, like improve yourself. Like, um, you know, the, the, I think the best thing coaches can do is just take time to, you know, listen to different people and learn from different people and and try to always be trying to learn, learn and grow. No, absolutely. I think that's, that's great, great advice. Uh, what would be something uh, that you would look for, and, and I don't think you are, um, hiring anybody but you know if you were to add someone to your staff what are some characteristics that you'd be looking for to join the staff at 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 where you're at university of portland yeah i mean we i mean i feel like we have a fantastic staff and um you know one of one of my assistants tom batzel i uh, this i think next season will be the 20th year we've coached together so that's been really you know fun to have a really good friend and a, 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 a coach again that really cares about the players and wants to serve the players. And uh, so, you know, I think you know his journey with you know coaching together has just been you know we've we really had a great time doing that together. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I, I I think that could take on many things because I think you know at at Portland we have um, you know Sharon Rizmiller and. Scott Young, I mean, they're, they're both doing um, fantastic jobs, and Tiffany Gibson is our dobo. And they all, to me, everyone just brings different things. And I think that uh, they're all great. They're all, you know, knowledge about, knowledgeable about basketball, but also just kind of bring different relationship things as well. So, you know, I, I just think that uh, being somebody that's really going to get along, uh, somebody that's going to, you know, help really uh, create a, a fantastic environment, uh, that's that's something to me that's really really important um, is in you know really how they're going to serve our players you know and um, that that to me has been something you know obviously knowledge of the game and those things are really important too but uh, to me it's become so much more about the relationships and in you know how how we can help our players grow in other things than not always basketball I mean basketball obviously is what we are we're basketball coaches so that's an important part but. I think that's one one area that I've really changed is is really trying to find ways that we can use these skills that will help our players relate into things after basketball. So, yeah, no, that's that's great, uh, Coach. I mean, you've been at the college level now for for a little over a decade. Um, what are some things that you kind of wish high school coaches would would do more of? Uh, to better prepare kids for the college level of play? Ooh, wow. I mean, that's, you know, um, you know, as I, as, as I look back at, um, you know, my time as a high school coach, I, I, and, you know, even now, I, I think the, the game is so universal. And, um, you know, I, I really think that we've really taken on an, an approach of positionless basketball. Um, 
And that that is where I think we've helped our players the most is that I'm I'm just a really big believer in uh like developing ball skills and ball handling. Um uh, you know, every every one of our players having a, a dribble move of some kind, a go-to move, a counter to that. Uh, we teach all of our players, like, how to play in the post and how to be confident in the post. Uh, you know, as, as a matter of fact, this year's team, like, we post up our point guard uh, quite a bit and our, and our, you know, wings quite a bit and really tried to take advantage of where we had the best advantage. Um, and so, and, and those are skills that, you know, once we kind of put the foundation of our post playing, like we would rep, you know, almost on every day, you know, sometimes it was five minutes, sometimes it was 10 minutes, you know, working on jump hooks, working on up and unders, working on, you know, counter moves to the jump hook and different moves inside the, into the post and, and then being able to take a lot of those things out to the perimeter. Um, you know, obviously shooting's a huge part of the game and, and we spend our fair share of on that as well. But to me, the, the, the doing things equally as well with your weak hand, I just think is such a huge thing. Not putting players in positions that you're the post and you're the point guard and you're the wing, like really trying to balance game, you know, everyone's game. I think that to me is really what has helped our uh, players. Um, and I think maybe more than anything, it's just putting them in an environment they love playing. You know, like there's there's no substitute for you know, the athletes loving the opportunity they're getting. And and that's one thing I think that too many coaches at times get away from is just making, almost making it a job. And, and that's far from what we want. Like we want our kids to love their opportunity and understand that, you know, it, it, it is a game and it should be fun. And, and we should be looking to, to kind of do great things together, you know, as a group. And uh, that to me, I think is like, you know, having time dealing with youth kids and develop them since the fourth or fifth grade, like, we were so big into developing skill, making sure players felt like every time they came to practice they are getting better at something, but that they're also loving the game. And uh, and that that's such just a huge part, I think, at every level. Yeah. You know, you talk about as they come in, we want them to, to feel like they got better at something. Uh, I think that's something that is hard for us as coaches to do sometimes and that we, uh, by nature, are critiquing kids to help them get better. Um, but maybe we don't love up on them enough um, for them to feel that way. So, I mean, how did you go about doing that? Did you have, like, a ratio you would try to meet as far as, like, positive to negative? Um, how, how did that kind of work? Well, I, I think that, uh, I mean, I definitely think that we try to limit, and, and something, again, that I feel like I've gotten better through the years. I mean, it, you know, at it, it Fox and uh, Portland, like, I mean, we, we you know, we are working hard to hold our kids accountable for certain things. Uh, but I would tell you that probably, and I think our players would tell you this, too, like 99% of the time we're just positive about things, you know, Um and, uh, you know, I, I, I think the clarity in, in which you do things is so important. You know, like, I think, you know, where frustration can sometimes set in is, like, I'll give example shot selection is, you know, really as a coach being able to identify the difference and the kids be able to eventually understand what that difference is too, but then also not necessarily rewarding kids. Hey, you know, you made the shots. That's a great shot. You know, well, it's not necessarily, you know, right? Like, um, and, and I think at times, like there's, we probably get on players more for not taking a shot they should have, uh, than, you know, necessarily taking a shot they shouldn't have. You know, I, I think that can be, you know, a way too. And, um, you know, I, I don't know. I just, I, you know, I think the way, you know, I think the body language that coaches can, you know, do things as well can be just as a negative. And, you know, it's interesting to me how, you know, I know for most coaches, the body language of players and, and their attitude is, you know, should be something that's really important, um, you know, that coaches don't accept. Uh, but then, you know, are are the coaches, you know, showing the same thing back to the players? And, you know, that to me is I think we're, as a, as a group, like we're all in this together. Like we're trying to work to the same goal. And um, I, I, I think another thing along those lines is I think our, uh, you know, non-negotiables are really clear. I mean, I, I really have, I have two team rules, 
and, and that is you, you, you come to me with any issue before it's a problem because I want to, whether it's an assistant coach or, or myself or another teammate, like I want to get ahead of things as much as I can. I want to help our players. Like it's not about anything but helping them uh, and no drama. Like, and I, I think the great teams understand our kids have been phenomenal with this is that they understand if we're, if we're having to deal with drama, then it's taking us off course from where we want to get to. And, you know, I really feel like as coaches and players, like we control, you know, the environment and the experience that we share for one another way more than than wins and losses, right? Um, mm-hmm. And so that, to me, I think has been a real big thing. Um, you know, our five non-negotiables, you know, on the court is the effort players play with, and I think there's a lot of teaching that goes behind what effort really is because I think there's times that coaches get frustrated and, and players are resting when they just don't know. Like, to me, most kids want to work hard. They just don't know what they should have been looking for doing. And once they learn, they're much more willing to, to give everything they can, especially off the ball. Um, communication's another one, big one for us. Focus. Uh, and then the other two non-negotiables are being a great teammate and being coachable. Um, and we're pretty, I mean, we're pretty diligent about those five things as non-negotiables. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned, you know, the, the effort part, which is, is something I think, you know, people say, hey, I can't coach effort or I'm not here to coach effort. <laughs> but like you're saying, I think that there are times where kids don't know what great effort looks like. Right? They think they know. But maybe it's not to that that expectation. So, do you coach that through film? Is it just on the spot? Like, hey, your effort's not good enough. I mean, what is what does that look like when you're trying to teach kids what what a great effort looks like? You know, I, I've had some phenomenal mentors, and one of the reasons I moved to Southreach was because of a new vice principal there by the name of Mark Neffendorf, who I who I think along with Brad Smith are on the women's side two of the the. Um, you know, the best coaches that have ever coached in maybe high school at all. I mean, they both are phenomenal and and spent a lot of time with Barry Adams and Nick Robertson and just guys that I really, you know, value and respect. Um, and, you know, to me, I, you know, I, I remember the, the second, um, my second year at Southridge and it was a brand new school and we were just building at the time and we, we had a decent second year, but, I just remember going into the office with to Mark and talking to him. And of course he would go to games and, and share advice and just all like literally complaining about this kid doing that or this kid doing this or, and you know, finally I think he just got sick of it and just said, you know, Mike, he goes, aren't, aren't you the one that decides who plays or not? Like, and, and, you know, basically just, you're basically told me in the nicest way possible that you're, you're not holding yourself accountable. Like, you're complaining about your players, but what are you really doing to teach them what they need to be doing different, you know? And I really took that to heart. Like I really, you know, at first it kind of ticked me off, but then I really felt like since that moment, I've tried to do a lot better job of, I'm not going to blame my players. Like I'm not going to put it on them. I've just got to do a better job of teaching them. And so like a huge part of our, and I was just sharing this the other day, like, uh, once we teach our basic foundation of rules, a lot of it is just, you know, teaching our kids off the ball effort, you know, like what they should be looking for, what they, you know, what their stance should look like. And, uh, and, and I think that's been so, so huge to our players is, is because once they start learning what that looks like, you know, then, then, then at that point, you know, and, and, and I've, you know, through the years, I've had a few players, very few that just, had a hard time ever getting that, uh, but not very many, you know, and I, and I think a lot of it just, just, they want to know, like, but they got to be taught, you know, and, uh, you know, we talk a ton about the racetrack and, and how hard we're going to run in transition. And, you know, I've done little things to, to, at times to show them where they're not. And sometimes that's film. Um, but we also stop a ton in practice, especially early in the year, and just talk through things. Like literally, just talk through things. Not not like get upset, but you know, are we running hard enough? You know, and um, I think our, once our kids start seeing it and they start learning it and 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 start understanding and seeing their own mistakes, then we really start getting somewhere. Um, and I and I feel like that that to me is a big part of teaching is getting to a point that the players understand it well enough that they can start seeing and feeling their own mistakes and they can start correcting themselves as well. 
Yeah. No, absolutely. Uh, Coach, I want to kind of move into um, recruiting a little bit uh, and kind of talk about kind of the differences from Division Three, which is George Fox, uh, to University of Portland, which is WCC Division One. Uh, how is recruiting both similar and different at those different levels? Oh, I, you know, I think there, there's so many, there's so many more similarities between every level. You know, uh, so much of it is just building relationships and, um, you know, creating a, a culture and environment that kids are proud of and, and want to work hard for. Um, you know, so I, I, you know, I, I think the differences probably are is where, you know, maybe one year in a particular state, like there's only three or four kids that, you know, have all the attributes that are, make them prepared and ready to play at one school, maybe a division one where there may be, you know, more 15 that, that could play at a, you know, a division three. I think there's just more options. Um, you know, my thing has always been, you know, helping players get places that they're actually going to have success though. Uh, and that, that's probably been my biggest thing is through the years, whether the high school coach or, you know, even now is, you know, we want to recruit players that we're setting them up for success. Like we really feel like can help us and have great careers. And it doesn't mean that every kid we recruit is going to be a starter. Um, but, you know, is, is eventually going to develop into a role of some kind. And, and I think the same thing for high school coaches. I think some, sometimes, Maybe players and parents, they want to just go to the highest level possible, but yet they're just being set up for, you know, to not have the success and not really enjoy that experience. So, I mean, I know not every case is like that, um, but to me, that's probably really the big thing. It's just really just finding a place um, that, you know, I was a small college player and I love my experience. You know, you couldn't have told me the difference, you know, at, the, at least at the time. And um, that, that that's probably the, the advice I would give on that is just, really trying to find places that you really wanted and that you can look at and go, you know what, I'm going to have a great career here, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I know, you know, kids sometimes I think have, like you were mentioning, maybe a, a unrealistic idea of what level they're going to play at. Um, and, and I like to think that as high school coaches, we might have a better idea mm-hmm. um, yep, sure, where they yeah. And what are what are some things you know some key attributes maybe you mentioned characteristics um, that kind of differentiate players from the different levels that that coaches could look for um, as far as help, looking to help guide kids to to a, a certain level or a certain school. Yeah, I think my you know my experience obviously was different in the sense that you know I was at a university in which we had players that could have played Division One and could have played division two and, you know, but they, they chose that that school because of the, I think because of the culture and tradition and um, the experience that, you know, maybe other players that had been there before had told them. Right. So, um, you know, I, I mean, I think the biggest difference generally be between a division one or maybe a small college player is just the, usually the physicality of it, you know, um, it, it's not necessarily skill. Sometimes it is, sometimes it's, um, you know, kids that are, you know, play a little bit more year round, but a lot of times not. It's usually, you know, the maybe two or three inches here and, you know, some extra strength there. Um, that, that to me is probably the biggest difference. Um, you know, a, a lot of things that sometimes not all players can control or not, you know. Uh, but I will say, I mean, we've all seen the, you know, the Steph Curry's and the, the players that have found ways to, you know, just work on their game so much like you can't ever sell a player short on what their goal may be because there's really no substitute for hard work and putting in the time and commitment and you know being a great teammate and those are all things that we're going to look at first and foremost when we're recruiting is you know what kind of uh, you know attitude do they have um, how good of a teammate are they uh, what type of a student um you know, how hard, how hard are they trying to compete? Um, is this a kid that maybe, maybe could compete more? Maybe could, do we feel like they're going to be coachable and want to grow in those, you know, those type of things are really important to us. Um, you know, and then, and then there's obviously some athletic attributes that we're going to look at too. Yeah, 
No, absolutely. And I, I like what you're talking about with, you know, the Steph Curry's, the, uh, you know, the CJ McCollum's, the yeah. uh, Damian Lillard, right? I think those were all testaments to what you talked about earlier is that found a good fit for them. Yeah. You know, had they gone to a Pac-12 school, you know, they might have been a sixth man and they wouldn't have been able to develop the ways that they did uh, because of the situation that they were in. So, I mean, I, I yeah, think Kawhi Leonard, I mean, you, you named a bunch of guys. You look at some of the top 10 players in the world and they're very much examples of they didn't go. They just went to places that were a great fit that they could make a difference, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, Coach, how can we as high school coaches kind of support and help our athletes uh, with with the recruiting process? It can be kind of crazy at times, especially for 16-, 17-year-old kids and their families. What are some things that we can do as high school coaches to help them? You know, I I, I think I think athletes are going to be found in in players that are in 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 at least my experience in high school. One one thing that we really tried to encourage our players is don't get caught up in the process of recruitment. Get caught up in the process of getting better and working on your game and being the best player possible. Uh, that that to me, I think you know, spending weekends to go to camps as opposed to you know traveling all over just to you know, get extra looks to me. I, I, I just feel like it's it's all about improvement of the game and and working on your game and, and at times knowing what to work on, right? So those type of things I think are far outweigh anything else. And, and that that's what we try to encourage our players um, is, you know, try to become the best version of yourself on the court. And if you do that, then you're going to get, you're going to get seen and you're going to, you know, eventually get recruited at a, you know, an appropriate level. So, yeah, that's good. Simple to the point. I like that. Yeah, <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. Easy. Yeah. Kids. That's great. Yeah. All right. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, we'll return more with Coach Meek right after this on the Oregon Basketball Coaches Podcast. Want more from the Oregon Basketball Coaches Podcast? Visit our website at Anchor. Dot fm slash obca or subscribe to our podcast on spotify welcome back to the oregon basketball coaches podcast derek duman here with university of portland women's basketball coach mike meek um coach you've had uh success uh really everywhere you've been uh which is which is pretty great um and, and something that's hard hard to do uh, what are what are some things that that you and, and your programs do that that you think has has led to to that success? Well, I mean, I, I definitely, I mean, it would go without saying to to say that we haven't had some uh, a, a great and good, sometimes amazing baseline of talent, right? So, I mean, I do think there has to be a certain level, and I've also I also feel like we just had so many great kids that were willing to work and, and put in time. Um, and so I, I think those things, you know, are, are obviously a, a big part of it. Um, you know, I think we've had fantastic assistant coaches. I mean, I've had a lot of great, great coaches that I've learned so much from. And, you know, I always wanted – I always try to look at my staff and feel like, do we – you know, if if for something happened where I couldn't be there, what kind of staff would we have? And I always felt like we put together staff that are – you know, are all ready to be head coaches themselves and people that are, you know, of, of high character and, and those type of things. So, you know, um, I think probably the biggest thing is, is you know, I know culture is, is a word that's thrown out there so much, but I do think that we've really kind of prided ourselves and in, in my focus has become more and more just trying to create a great experience for our players, you know, and I feel like if I can stay centered on that and, really take that to heart and that really like it doesn't matter what your role in the team is like it's something that I really genuinely care about is I want all of our care you know all of our athletes to love their experience um and you know I I feel like when you put people in a situation that you care and serve them I think that they're they're going to want to work and do great things for each other um you know I I think that has been a big thing for our teams is that they wanted to work for each other and they didn't want to let each other down. Uh, I think that's been such a, such a huge thing. 
Um, so, you know, and, and I, I think one thing about culture that probably goes left unsaid is just, you know, really, we really are diligent about working hard, you know, to teach the game, uh, to teach decision-making skills, to teach, you know, ball handling has always been a huge thing for every position. Um, you know, I feel like you look at some of the best players in the world, regardless of their size and, you know, height that, you know, Kevin Durant's special because he's a seven foot guard, right? Um, you know, I, I think, you know, you look at some of just all the best, you look at their skill level. And, and to me, that, that's such a, such a game changing thing to work on that I think, you know, we've really tried to, from the start, from a young age, just try to really focus on. Yeah, you, you talk about creating that that experience um, with with kids, and I, I think it's pretty easy to create that experience for for your starters or the kids that are going to play a lot of minutes. How do you create that experience for your tenth, eleventh, twelfth players on the team? Well, yeah, I mean, you hit, I mean, you hit something right on there that you know it's 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 definitely harder, I think, because. Uh, you know, all kids want to get playing time and, and play, but I, I think a, a lot of our, you know, one, one I think within our development, we've really tried to do the best we can to give equal opportunity. Like we really tried to not focus on, uh, you know, our top player or our leading score. Like we really try to develop all of our players because, because you know, as, as you know, I think the, you know, the more players you have that can make plays, it just becomes really hard to guard, right? So. Um, you know, that's been something I think that's been really big for us, um, whether it's learning plays or, um, you know, teaching the fundamentals. Like, we really don't waver between whether you're the 15th player or, you know, we'd never number them like that, but we really try to help develop them. Um, we do gear things towards our top players in development uh, because I feel like, the other players will rise to that challenge. And, and I think it's really like if you're coaching to the middle or the bottom, it's going to really bore the top players and you definitely don't want to do that. Right. So um, to me, I think that's been a big thing. Now you may take that same skill and, and they may be at different levels of learning it or where they can execute it. Um, but you know, that to me has been something that um, in, in, in even so even in practice, like, making sure that we put thought into where every player can get better. Like if maybe just walk by them and, Hey, I need, you know, I've really been watching you. These are things that you really need to be working on your own. Um, we do try to create lists for our players so they, they can have them and see them. So there's no like, well, I didn't know what I need to work on. Right. I mean, our kids are very clear like of, of the things that they can all be doing to get better. Um, but I also think that a big one is, is that, we talk so much about how important it is for maybe our scout team players to help push them. And, and that when one player scores, like everyone scores, like we're, you know, I think our team has been really good about sharing each other's successes and failures. Like, like they're not, you know, they're all doing it as one all the time. And I, and our kids that don't play as much, like we remind them all the time how, how, because you push that kid in practice, that's why they were making these plays this week. You know, it was like in, in, uh, in, you know, preparing them for their moment because a lot of times that may be your younger players that, you know, you want them to be ready when their time is called or if a player gets injured. And so I, so I think that's been a big thing for us is just trying to keep players ready all the time. I think, I think at Fox, like George Fox, it was such a huge thing for us. We graduated players and as a matter of fact, the last national championship team, you know, that, that, that played in the national championship game, we were picked fourth that year. Um, didn't really add anybody new to that team. And it was just kids that really hadn't played or been in significant roles or all of them it, the year before. Uh, they, they just were ready because they had been through it. You know, they, they had worked against our top kids on a daily basis that I'd already seen. They would challenge them every day. So I, I kind of had an idea we were going to be a little better than people thought. Um, they weren't, they just were such a competitive group as well. Um, so I, I don't know. I think those, those would probably be the main things there. Yeah. That's good stuff. Uh, coach, you, you know, you mentioned you, you've had a lot of a talent at, at some of the places you've been. Um, it, when you're, you're the favorite, right? You know, everybody else knows that, that you're one of the top teams, whether it's in the state or in the country or in the conference. Uh, how do you keep 
your team's focused on the goal at hand and kind of block out the the distractions and the noise of everyone telling them how good they are and you know you're going to go win a championship. I mean, how do you how do you kind of keep them reined in and focused on on what you want them to? Yeah, well, that, I think that's such a hard thing. I mean, the complacency that can sometimes come along with success and. Uh, I don't necessarily know if there's a, uh, you know, an easy answer to that motivation because I think a lot of it is just the character of the players that you're coaching and the competitiveness of them. Um, and I, you know, I, 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 we all want more talent. I mean, I think that obviously helps, you know, with success and you have to always have to have a baseline of it, you know, to reach certain levels. Um, at the same time, I think it's tricky. You know, sometimes it, it, for me, sometimes it's the harder teams to coach have been the ones where there's just so many go-to players that, you know, keeping teams like that motivated and happy together and, uh, you know, and, and, and to take out all the outside no, noise, you know, sometimes that's parents, right? And sometimes more often than not, I, I find that it's parents that actually have full-on good intentions, um, but, you know, not necessarily getting the right message, you know, um, you know, we, we, we've often showed a, a video by Bruce Brown that, that talks about the role of the parent. I just think it's a phenomenal video, um, in, in, in opportunity just for it. I know for me as a parent, I have two daughters and they, you know, they're both athletes as well. It, it taught me a ton. I mean, I still have to think back at it some and my yeah. wife sometimes, Hey, remember the video, right? Uh, so, um, you know, and I think one of the things she says in there that just meant, you know, is one of the uh, hardest things for all athletes, whether it's the whether it's a college athlete or a middle school athlete or a, you know, a uh, you know high school whatever level, like is is the car ride home with their parents. Like that that is the thing that a lot of kids dislike the most about their whole experience. I mean, think about that, you know, and. Uh, and I don't think, you know, I, I think we all want, our, as parents, we want our play, like our our kids, our own kids, to have a great experience as well, right? And, um, you know, so I, so we've really tried to even kind of educate and talk to our parents, and uh, what what a phenomenal difference that has made, you know. I mean, that that's been something that I think has really hit home to a lot of parents, has really helped their daughters or you know, I think their sons' experiences to have some of that information, um, you know, so again, I, I mean, I think having really talented teams, I, I think are tough and, and, uh, and then again, they create different challenges. Uh, I think it's one that we'd all probably rather have at times. Um, you know, and I, I think for us, I think it's, it's always been about just taking one game game at a time and just trying to go one and oh in that game. And, uh, I think that keeping it kind of into smaller frames, I think has really helped kind of, keep our kids motivated and maybe a little bit more focused on the task at hand. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think the other tough part too, is, is you kind of mentioned when you, when you have a variety of players that are all very talented or can all score the ball or whatever it is, uh, you know, I think people, sometimes players get a little selfish, right? They want to get theirs or they want to score. Uh, is there anything you do in particular to help maybe like build team chemistry? Cause you talk about your culture and I think you've done a really good job of that everywhere you've been. I mean, how do you get those kids that are all really talented to kind of buy into this team culture of, you know, we win, you know, it's our bucket, right? We got the stop. We got the yeah. score. You know, is there anything that you do in particular to kind of help build that cohesiveness and that, that team kind of feel? Well, I think a lot of it is, you know, about decision-making and just making the right play. And so, if you know, somebody is, you know, I've had players that have asked me, well, is that really a good shot? And I go, well, it is if you worked on it, right? And, um, you know, so I, I think sometimes on the on the great teams, like if you get your players playing like they should, the, the balance um, that you can create through that uh, and sharing the ball at the right times and uh, being clear on what good shot selection looks like. Um, you know, I think obviously the difficulties of not having a shot clock is, uh, <laughs> is, you know, that, that, that itself is, you know, can, can really be a challenge at times. But, uh, I, I do think the, um, you know, just for us, we, we kind of like, I know Barry Adams was big at this too, but we, we definitely run a lot of mini games. So we, you know, we can also, we work really hard on, having different sets that take advantage of different things. And then we really want to try to empower our players 
to be able to make their own calls on those plays. Like I always give my point guard authority over me as a coach to make decisions on what plays they want to call uh, to their team, you know, and, uh, and, you know, I think some of that comes along with them understanding the playbook better. Um, you know, and every now and then sometimes you have to, we have to talk to players, hey, you know, you might be running this a little too much or you're going to need to work on this part a little bit more. But for the most part, I think the, the empowerment we've tried to give our players has really helped. Um, and, you know, the, the amount of time that we just spend about, you know, talking about, uh, you know, being great teammates and, and wanting this for each other, uh, you know, I think those type of things really help. And we, we, I wouldn't say we do it every day, but there's almost not a week that goes by that we don't address that, that just the team aspect of things and what it is to be a great teammate and those type of things, you know, I think really help go a long ways. Yeah, that's great. Coach, I'm going to kind of flip the coin on you here a little bit. Uh, you know, we talked about having really talented teams expected to win. Um, you know, let's look at this year's team, for example. Uh, you guys were picked to finish dead last in the conference. Um, how was coaching a team, you know, that's picked dead last uh, different than coaching a team that's expected to, to win or to win at all? Oh, I mean, this this year's team was awesome. I mean, they in in the character of them, the the humbleness of our top players. I mean, you know, and and I go again. Not every coach has this right, but you know, we had a situation where a lot of our best players, like we had to encourage them to be more aggressive and to to quit trying to share the ball at times they didn't need to. You know, um, so you know, I think every group is just kind of different, right? Um, and you know, I guess from my experiences, because, you know, having a lot, having teams of late anyways, where that we were the favorite, it just, there's definitely like a, uh, an underdog mentality or a chip, I think that this year's team had, um, that just really made it fun. I mean, and they, and they were just so coachable. Uh, they just really tried to take in as much as they could and, and help each other. I mean, you come to one of our practices and just watch them, you know, helping coach and lead each other. You know, I love that. I mean, I love it when other coaches come to watch our practices and just go, man, your kids just are helping each other so much. Like, if they don't care if they're competing in the same position. They're there to, like, like Tim Duncan was known for that. I mean, his his he was known for actually helping teach, you know, opponents that he was, hey, you could have done this different, you could have done that. And I feel like our practices are so much that way. Um, so, you know, I, I mean – at the end of the day, it's, it's, you know, whether you're the underdog or not, it's still about the people you're working with and the experience you're trying to create for them. Uh, you know, our, our goal all along is just to try to be the best version of ourselves. And, and that, that's a goal for us, regardless of whether we're the favorite or not. You know, our goal this year was still the same to try to go one and oh every game we played, you know, um, and, and whether we lost or won a game before us, that, that our players were incredible about not getting too up or down about things. Like they just, they knew that if we lost a game, okay, we need to get a little better, you know, and if, if we won a game, it was like, you know what, we're not where we need to be yet, you know, and, and I, I think they just had a phenomenal mentality about things. Um, it did, it did make it <laughs> like incredibly fun. I mean, just to, to be the, you know, pick 10th and, and finishing fourth in the league. And then, you know, of course, we won the West Coast Conference Tournament, which, you know, was, you know, great, great wins over, you know, really good Pacific and Gonzaga and San Diego teams that, that ironically were the three teams we hadn't beaten league. So um, it, it was just a fun ride with a fun group that was very hungry and very motivated to to just get in a different spot this season. And uh, obviously they exceeded a lot of expectations. Yeah, did you approach uh, the season, like, practice differently? Did you try to do more skill development stuff because your team maybe wasn't uh, considered to be as good? You know, how did maybe your practice strategy change? How did your game strategy change coaching a team maybe that wasn't uh, predicted to be as <laughs> successful? Yeah, it's awesome. Like, like I – um I remember thinking all off season, okay, you know, we're going to slow it down and, you know, even with the shot clock, try to take their out of the ball and make it as low a possession game as possible. And, 
Uh, you know, we we you know, we have a little bit different off season opportunity than you know at Portland than we had at George Fox, and we can work with our players more and have different rules. So, you know, we've pretty much spent most of the off season on fundamental work, uh, ball handling, all of our all of our players learning how to post up and how to make post moves and different finishes around the rim, you know, guard and post wise, and you know, finishing has been such a big thing for us, and we just you know that's that that is for years. Uh, just working on all types of different finishes and spins off the glass and just really working on those type of different angles. And, um, you know, so, you know, to me, I think that that has been like a, a real focus for us in most off seasons, uh, especially in like in high school where we could, you know, do some things, you know, at the time, I think it was rule of the two. And, um, but, you know, when we got to the season, we ended up just going, you know what, we're just, I'm, I'm going to teach what I'm confident teaching. And we've always been a real up-tempo pressing team. Um, that is pretty, pretty unique, I think, especially at the Division One level. You just don't see that as much. Um, and I, I don't know. I feel like our kids love playing that way. Like, uh, I, I think the, the effort that they learn how to play with and the knowledge and, um, they, you know, again, incredibly coachable. Um, and I, I would tell you that's probably been one of the biggest differences or help for me is that you know I've always been really you know love videos and going to clinics and learning things and early on I think I was always kind of changing things around and feeling like you know I'm going to coach to this team or that team and um, you know I, I think we definitely have things that we can do to be a little more guard oriented or things we can do to be a little bit more post oriented uh, but at the end of the day I think it's come down more to just being great fundamentally and trying to be to be able to teach the details of our system um and that's what i think now i try to spend more time learning is i kind of know who who we want to be now i just got to keep getting better at it and keep getting better at teaching it uh making it clear to our players so they can take what we're teaching and really apply it um so i i think you know if we ended up we end up kind of being you know, a lot like I'd prefer the teams be, and that was very up-tempo. We ended up, you know, leading the league in scoring and leading the league in field goal percentage, and I think we were, you know, top 15 at least in the nation at taking away the three-point line defensively. Um, so, you know, obviously had some great, you know, great things statistically, especially for a team that wasn't picked to be as strong as we ended up being. Yeah, oh. I think the, the three-point line, defending the three-point line especially, is something that, that I've had coaches ask me to ask people about. So I want to follow up by asking, what are what are some emphasis that you put on defending the three-point line? Is there anything you guys do in particular? Is there a drill? Is there just something that you constantly teach? I mean, how do you teach defending the three-ball? Well, I, I you know, it's, you know, you, you want to try to simplify that, right, as much as possible. And I think that, you know, when you're a pressing team, I think it, you know, it becomes that much harder because, you know, we're a pressing team, a very aggressive pressing team, and yet we still have a, a primary goal of no lanes and no threes, right? Th those are the two things that we really want to try to guard at a high level. And, uh, I, you know, I think it would start with just simply doing the best you can to take away other teams' best three-point shooter. Um, and, you know, sometimes that's guarding out and finding two, but more often than not, it's, it's like if we can eliminate the other team's best three point shooter in itself, you know, like that, that's going to give us a huge edge. So in our practices, like we're, we're definitely talking about, okay, this player, you know, we're, we're running them off the line or, or we're more connected to them off the ball. Um, and just talking through that over and over and over, and when it becomes a pretty consistent thing, I mean, we'll run into a few teams that might not have, you know, a, an elite shooter or a good one, but for the most part, everyone's going to have a one, you know, and, and, and sometimes two and three. And, you know, it obviously becomes more of a challenge. Um, but I, I think the, the the amount of pressure we try to put on those type of players in particular is a big thing too. Like we really try to take away space and, and make those type of players beat us with twos. Uh, that, that's something that we talk about a lot is, you know, they may get to the lane, but, you know, they're a 38% two-point shooter and a 39% three-point shooter, and we just try to play the percentages, right? So, 
I, I think it's really as simple as just identifying who the best shooter is. Uh, maybe sometimes a couple of the best shooters. Um, you know, you get if you're zoning and you get caught in two on ones that that your players identify. Okay, this player's a 40% three point shooter, and this one's a 34. Like you better make sure you stick a little longer on the 40% one until somebody else can bump you to the next one. And if it means you have to give up the three, then, you know, we better be doing it to the lower percentage player, you know? And I think over a course of a game, that just really adds up. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Coach, can you talk about how has, or how has the strategy of the game changed as you've kind of, moved up in level, you know, so the strategy of coaching at, at LeGrand versus Southridge versus George Fox versus the University of Portland. I mean, how is, how is your strategy, uh, whether it's in-game or out-of-game, kind of developed or changed, and what are some of those differences between those levels? Uh, you know, well, first of all, I think it always starts with the, the people and creating an environment that, that that the players love being a part of, you know, and I think that that's to me is like the game changer thing. Um, you know, I, I can look back and, and really, I mean, I, I do think that we've became more maybe clear on what our system is and how to adapt a little bit here and there based on personnel. Um, but I, I wouldn't tell you that we've changed a lot. Like I, we're, mm-hmm. You know, a full court man pressing team at Legrand, and we still almost ran the exact same presses here. You know, like uh, I, I think I've been able to probably learn some things about how to teach them better and uh, how to how for players to identify off the ball what they should be looking for a little bit more. Um, maybe a little bit better, you know, better in you know how we teach one on one moves and you know identifying when a good time to use certain things are and. You know, I, I mean, I think we've gotten better as, as time has gone on. Um, but I would say the overall system of things has been very similar, you know, and I don't think that we've made, a, you know, a lot of changes. Um, Easy enough. Uh, that's a, yeah. Uh, yeah. Good, good, news, good news for a lot of high school coaches, right? I mean, what you're doing well, might be might be college worthy. <laughs> But yeah, I think, you know, I, I, think I think the biggest thing probably is just the fact that you know I have so much more help with scouts and, and time to work on things, and so you know I think the biggest thing along those lines is just the attention to detail and how how far how much depth we can get into, uh, you know, as far as like you know knowing the top three shooters and the percentage of each one of them, and our players being able to take that and use that in a game, right? That we have that information and. We obviously have things like synergy in which we can create scout reports. And, you know, so there, there's definitely some changes um, and, and some more detail. But I would say the, the overall core has been very similar. The depth in which we can do things, I think, has been much different. Yeah, no, absolutely. Probably a lot better than a shaky uh, huddle film, you know, done by <laughs> a random parent. Right? But a little more helpful. Yeah. All right, Coach, we're going to take another break. Uh, when we return, Coach Meek will try to beat the shot clock here on the Oregon Basketball Coaches Podcast. Stay up to date with the Oregon Basketball Coaches Association by visiting our website, or.nhsbca.org. Or you can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash OregonBCA. Welcome back to the Oregon Basketball Coaches Podcast. We're talking with Mike Meek, women's basketball coach at the University of Portland. Uh, coach, the, my next segment here, I call it the shot clock segment. Uh, and here's how it works. I'm going to put 35 seconds on the clock, uh, which is more than you're used to playing with. So you'll have extra time. It'll feel like an eternity. Okay. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, I'm going to ask you some rapid fire questions covering a variety of different basketball topics. Uh, and they're all going to be one to two word answers. Um, and we'll see how many we can get through in 35 seconds. How's that sound? Awesome. Yeah, sounds good. Yeah, right. yeah great. Fantastic. All right, starting now, do you think Oregon high school basketball should have a shot clock? Absolutely. I mean, I, I, I feel like it's just it's, – it's one of those things that doesn't affect uh, – 
you know, many games, but it only takes one or two to really change an outcome and the way teams play. And uh, I just, I, I feel like, and if not, I think making some type of rules that would allow uh, officials to determine if the team is really attacking or trying to play or not. Uh, just teams being able to sit out at half court is not acceptable. Should it be implemented at the GV and freshman levels? What's that? Should it be implemented at the sub-varsity level? Uh, I think that would be great if, if you could do that. I, I think the, definitely the varsity level. All classifications, 1A through 6A? I think everywhere. I think it should be equal across the board, and I, I really feel like for every division, I, I think it would be a, a thing that's needed and would be great for the game. If you're up three points with less than 10 seconds, do you foul? We haven't. Uh, yeah, I think it's great strategy if you've taken time to work on it. Uh, but I, I just, I'm worried about fouling and somebody actually making the shot at the same time. So for me, we're going to count on our defense to be able to take away the three point line and make it as tough as possible. And if we have to roll in overtime, that's what we'll do. Do you think the three point line should be moved back in high school? I think we're getting close to that point. I mean, I just think the skill level continues to improve and, and players have more and more range. So, you know, I think that definitely should be something that's considered. How do you celebrate after a big win? You know, it depends. I mean, I, I, I'm i pretty good <laughs> myself about not, uh, you know, showing a ton of emotion and really mentally kind of moving on to the, to the next game. Um, you know, I think I'd, I'd prefer our players to do that. But sometimes you have games that you want to let them celebrate. You know, if they accomplish things that haven't been done for a long time. I mean, one of the things that, you know, I, I feel like I've heard coaches say, you know, act like you've won or been there before. It's like, well, maybe maybe that's, this team hasn't, right? Like, maybe this team is accomplishing some things. And I, I think I've gotten better and better about wanting my kids to celebrate the moment, like allowing them time to really feel good about things. And maybe that maybe that's only for one night. But I, I think it's important that players get a chance to really feel good about accomplishing big things. What's one word officials would use to describe you? Oh, oh probably probably intense sometimes. That's probably one thing. I don't. Yeah, that's fair. There's a lot of worse answers you can have there, coach. That's a answer yeah. is a good is a good. Answer. Yeah, it depends uh, on it probably I, depends I, on who you talk to, right? But uh yeah. chance and, you know. Maybe a Which few nights. Yeah, 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 exactly. So Which is visual, for sure. <laughs> right, yeah. Um, you know, coach, obviously you, you talked about being in favor of the shot clock and it's kind of a hot topic in, in the state of Oregon, high school basketball and, and across the country basketball for that matter. Yeah. Um do you think if it's implemented we should go to thirty five Five or three seconds like you guys play at the college level? Oh, that's a great question. I mean, I, I just think having one in general, and you know, you've all we've all been a part and have seen the games where, you know, a team is sitting in half court with the ball and not, you know, no, neither team is maybe playing. And, and that just so difficult. And it's not really even fair to the players, I feel like. So, uh, you know, I, I think a 35-second shot clock would be great. I, I think a 30 is really ideal uh, at all levels. Um, you know, I know some international play I think is 24, but I I, I do mm -hmm. think 30 allows you some a little bit of room for more strategy because um, I do think there is, you know, some strategy to be able to, you know, take the air out a bit. Uh, and that's why I'd be probably okay with the 35 second, but anything more than that is just too much. Yeah. Uh, Coach, I want to talk to you about something that's, uh, kind of permeated throughout our, our society nowadays. And it's just the idea of the transfer culture, I call it, right? So if I'm not happy, I'm going to go to a new school. Um, something that's becoming more and more popular at the NCAA and, and Division One level. We all know about this this mythical transfer portal where, you know, kids are uprooted and moved, I guess, or something something like that out of Star Trek maybe. Um, can you talk about, you know, just trans the transfer culture in general, um, what are some things we could do to, to make that better for student athletes and, and better for programs? Yeah, you know, that's just, a, it's a difficult one because there's so many layers on that, right? I mean, there's so many things that, you know, may be, a, um, 
you know, I mean, there's just a lot of things there, right? So I, I, I think for us, I mean, we just try to do what we can to focus on what we can control, just like we teach our players and uh, try to create the best environment possible and, um, you know, that our kids are not only proud of but, but really love being a part of. Um, and, you know, even knowing that, that there's probably going to be times, you know, where players feel like, you know, they want to get back closer to home or, uh, they they want to find maybe a different academic fit. You know, there's 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 all kinds of things that can happen. So, um, you know, for me, I think it's been more about just not trying to focus on that at all. Just trying to focus on what we can control and um, trying to do great things for our players that again they they feel really excited to be a part of. Yeah, absolutely. Do do you um, and. And, you know, I don't know if the best way to ask this question, but let's say there's a, a highly respected, highly touted, you know, high school girls basketball player, uh, and, and she's transferred to three different schools in four years. I mean, do you look at, at that type of athlete differently than you would other kids you recruit? Does that raise question marks? Oh, I mean, I, I you know, that's, Again, there's, there can be so many things to that, but, um, you know, I mean, I think that there could be some things there that you would, you know, wonder about for sure. Um, but I couldn't necessarily tell you right now if that would make a difference, you know, or not. It, it definitely would cause you to, to pause, right? Um, right. So, um, you know, and I think that's the tough part in the recruitment process is just, you know, in, in helping players try to find a great fit and the right fit without coming to a quick decision or making a decision when they're too young to really even know what they want, right? Those are the kind of things that we're really big on players, you know, taking all the time they can to learn as much about us as they can possibly. And, and, and you know, we want that because we feel really good about where that's going to lead them. But also we want them to make, make sure it's a great fit for them too, right? Um, and I think that's a, a big part of kind of our responsibility is to really make sure that we feel good about it on both sides. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, one of the things that's, that's been proposed, um, not necessarily the OSAA, but it's been talked about uh, in coaching circles and, and it's something that the OBCA uh, has been has looking into, and, and it's separating the girls' basketball tournaments from the boys' basketball tournaments. So, for example, like the 5A, 6A girls are at one site, the 5A, 6A boys are at another site. Um, what What do you think about something like that? Do you think that would be beneficial? What, what would maybe be some pros and, pros and cons to that? Oh, you know, I think, as you know, I mean, it's just so hard. Like, whether even just in the league schedule, I think it's so hard to determine, you know, is it best to go on different nights or best to – you know, split sites or best to go double headers. And, um, you know, my, my personal preference is, I mean, I, I, I absolutely love the double headers, uh, and I love being them on the same site, uh, more for the fact that, you know, I have, uh, you know, I've coached high school kids. I've, I've obviously have a couple daughters myself and I think they want to go support their friends too. Like they want to be able to go to the games and, you know, if both the boys and girls teams are, are playing in the same tournament um, from the same school. And, and I think it also allows both groups to have a, a better fan base. Um, so, if I mean, I, I haven't really done the research or really thought about it that much, but if you're, you know, put me on the spot right now, I definitely would lean towards, you know, keeping 6A together. Um, and, again, I know the fact that, you know, you, you may or may not have um, – uh, the, the, you know, both teams make it, right? But, you know, if you do, I think it's a, it's a big thing that they can be there to, in the, in the communities can be there to support both. Yeah. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, all right. I got one more question for it. And this is, it's kind of a personal question, coach. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You, uh, you were a sweater vest coach and I, I'm a big sweater vest <laughs> guy. You know, can you explain the sweater vest? I mean, what what is it about the sweater vest that uh, that that appeals to you? Well, I love to hear that you wear one too. So I've, <laughs> I've, I've got every. I have more respect than I already already had. So, um, <laughs> I don't know. It's just kind of been a thing that just right from the start, and I, I liked them early on, and then it just kind of stuck. And 
I wouldn't I wouldn't say I'm superstitious, but but maybe you know maybe yeah. I'm more than than I think. So just I don't know, it just kind of stuck and um, it's kept it all the way through. And uh, you know I I know a lot of coaches, a lot of my own coaches will tease me about it at times, and then you know they say that they don't want to wear them, but I I don't know. I think I think deep down inside they like them too. So uh, that's right. It's it's kind of like a guilty pleasure. I think it, it only. <laughs> A, a strong, you know, sense of, of uh, uh, I don't know, confidence maybe to, to wear it in public. But I think everything's yeah. down. Everybody exactly. wants. I think it's a confidence thing. I it is. Everyone wants to support it. But uh, so are those standard issue. Do you get your staff sweater vests at the beginning of every year? I think that's. I think that'd be great. Yeah, that's what we do. We try yeah. to. It has got a little bit harder, uh, but uh, they're a little <laughs> bit harder to find than they once were. But this is true. You know, this is true. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Well, Coach, I want to thank you so much for joining us today on the podcast. I really appreciate you sharing the game with us today. You're welcome. Appreciate having me on. And hopefully, again, there's one or two things that can help. And, uh, again, I think you have my email. So if anybody has any questions that I could help them with, you know, feel free to reach out. I'd I'd love to be helpful and love to learn from other people as well. Absolutely. Yeah, if you have any follow-up questions or want to get a hold of Coach Meek, uh, you can find his contact information in the episode description. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Oregon Basketball Coaches Podcast. We'll see you next time. Until then, coach them up. Thank you for listening to the Oregon Basketball Coaches Podcast. Is there a coach you'd like to hear from or a topic you'd like to hear us discuss? You can write us a message on the Anchor website or send us an email at OregonBasketballCoaches at gmail.com. You can also subscribe to this podcast on Spotify.